It's a short Almost month. over. Well, no, not quite. Not quite. 23rd, dude. Wow, really already? Yeah. You go to town for a few days and suddenly the month is gone. And here we are, late February 2021. Been a hell of a year so far. Thank God 2020 is behind us because now everything is fine. It's, it's yeah. We're You know what, though? Seriously, I do, <laughs> I do feel like it's going to get better. I just don't know when. Well, I didn't. <laughs> are you, aren't you tired of even saying that? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, it can't get any. I'm not even going to say it out loud because fuck that. Hi, speaking of uh, coarse language and pointlessness, my name is Brian Oak, and this is The Brian Oak Show. That is Sean Bernard, episode 135. As unlikely as that seems, here we are. We've managed to launch a podcast and stay alive during a global pandemic. Um, that alone, not like, you know, it's the greatest podcast that ever was. But the fact they just that we, don't know it. Not everybody knows about it yet. That's the only problem. Here's the great thing about the Internet. You know, unless there's some sort of uh, EMP, electromagnetic pulse, this will exist forever. And so centuries after our death, archaeologists will dig this up and they'll be like, people listen to this shit. Wow. Episode 135 of the Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start studio in historic and scenic South Minneapolis, near 48th and Chicago, although it has been milder lately. It was very cold for a while, as one might expect in Minnesota in the wintertime in February. But today, what is it, like 36 outside? Yeah, and I'm one of those people, like, when we're in the midst of the 15 below bullshit, I kind of forget that it, what it's like to ever be warm and to ever have it nice. And so <laughs> I do. My mind goes to this place where it's like, it's never going to warm up again. Totally We're a glass half this. empty kind of guy. Yeah, the old uh, saying is the Democrats say the glass is half empty. The Republicans say, who the fuck drank half my beer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that it's, I, I really do get into this new reality, where, even with the C word that's happening right now, COVID. Oh, yes. Yeah. God, you're looking at me like. Well, because like what else did you? Because think? most of us, when you say the c word, I know. Uh, that, like that's like I'll drop the f bomb all yeah. day, every day. But the c word you have to save for like, like fighting Darth Vader. Like you don't, you don't drop the c word. Except in what country? Ireland. Oh well, yeah. yeah, yeah that's those people have a drinking problem. That's true. And I only say that because you and I are both deeply Irish. <laughs> Otherwise, and but go ahead and send problems. angry emails and report <laughs> me on Twitter. We could use the bump. I am of which I speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, so during COVID, what were you saying? Oh, um, C word? During, during COVID, COVID, the same thing. I, I like, is it ever going to be normal again? I kind of have this thing like, are we ever going to be back to 
So I kind of live in that space until it gets sunny again, until they kind of say, right. uh, the guy from John Hopkins, the scientist from John Hopkins said, he thinks we could be at herd immunity by April 1st. I think that's bullshit. Well, I think it's hopeful and I, yeah. I appreciate hope and I like it, but it has to be balanced with science, right? Like we can't, we have to take an, a huge overall view yes. of this and we've already ground through so much and everyone's fucking sick of it and everyone's so tired and everyone's worn down and we're tired of not seeing friends. We're tired of not going out for happy hour. We're tired of not seeing live shows. I, I haven't seen my mom and dad. I missed Thanksgiving. I missed Christmas. Uh, I fucking love my family. Yeah. And my mom listens to every show, so sorry about the F word, mom. It feels like 1998 when I was at the Viking Atlanta playoff game and the assholes around me are chanting Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Like, that's how I feel about COVID-19 right now. I'm looking around people saying, shut the fuck up. You're going to ruin it. it. You're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin it. Keep your fucking masks on and stay away from people. And You're we, going we just, to ruin it. We have to hang on. And even if it's... It, even if it were another year to get past this and go back to a regular life, oh, no, no, as no. opposed to no, no, I don't <laughs> want that. But but like instead of rushing it, instead of making it too fast and then fucking everything up again, let's not. I I, I know it sucks. I anybody else hate Zoom? Anybody else tired? I fucking hate of it. Zoom? I just hate it. I, I go to my AA it. meetings on Zoom. Yeah. The only way I see my family is on Zoom. Yep. Any sort of work related thing. Our last two podcasts were on Zoom and yeah. it's fine and it's good content, but it sounds like shit and it's just not the same thing as talking to someone in person, which is why I'm very excited that today's guest has been willing to come in in person. Now, we've never met before, uh, but she's a poet, all right? And I think that there's an initial gut reaction, as I'm sure she and I will talk about. When you tell someone that you're a poet, people are like, oh, and what do you do for money? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> that, that that's that's sort of the reaction. But I so I don't think you could say that what I do for a living is poetry or what I do for a living is wordsmithing. But I do have I have a deep affection for words mm -hmm. and a deep abiding hatred for grammar. Um, to me, words are a gift. Oh, thank you. And Same grammar way. is a prison. Mm -hmm. So when you meet English majors who are like, you know, the Oxford comma is pretty crucial there. Uh, May I? I? Yes. Fuck you. I know. Okay. I, I, know. I, 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 I No agree. way. No way. Words, like I, I often will carefully choose my words and I don't try to use words that are too big to try to impress people with, I'm a smart guy. I'm a college dropout, man. I'm not a smart guy, but I've always had a fascination and a love of words because they can be used like a weapon. They can be used like a warm blanket. They can be used like fireworks. I mean, words are spectacular, and I don't think enough about how I use them. I just let them pour out of my word hole. But poets have that same appreciation, but they spend time thinking about where they should sit next to one another. And I probably should devote a little more time to that instead of just always bah, 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 bah. <laughs> but I am who I am, and it's too late to teach this old dog any new tricks. So I'm excited to talk to a published poet and someone who I believe love wo loves words every bit as much, if not more, than I do. Uh, and we'll talk to her just ahead and hear some of her musical choices and get to know a little bit more, because what's this podcast about? It's a about meeting people from the Twin Cities. It's about meeting people from Minnesota. Really, we've had people on from all over the world, but it's largely about who and what and where we are in this time and space. And um, right now, it's late February, lockdown, and I'll take any joy I can get. Before we talk to Cara Kalajera, 
Kalajara. I almost got the emphasis on the right syllable, and we'll work on that more just ahead. In the meantime, due to the importance of words, the nature of words, and how much words have defined my entire adult life, I thought we'd listen to this song as we get things going here on episode 135 of The Brian Oak Show.
1982, which for the record was 38 years ago. Oh, that's the worst when you say stuff like that. Now, here's what I want you to think about. <laughs> when rock and roll was new, right? Like, I mean, you can go late 50s, early 60s. You go 38 years back from that, and you're listening to people playing washboard on the back porch, <laughs> I know, okay? I, know. I mean, so yeah. when you talk about the nature of how things have changed over the course of time, you know, that's that album, that record, that song could have come out last year, but Dale and Terry Bozio, Missing Persons, words right here on the Brian Oaks Show, which is made possible by our good friends at Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is the uh, Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They're the ones who help craft Minnesota's ignition interlock system and they are the only hometown heroes that still do it a lot of carpetbaggers have come in and said hey we can help you with this now that it's in place and looking to profit off of your misfortune but if you someone you know someone you love someone you hold dear has a dui they will lose their license and they need to get back in their vehicle and smart start mn is the company and the group that will help you get back there plus they're cool guys. I really like their, I enjoy their company, although we haven't been able to enjoy their company for quite some time. And they're not afraid to give you shit on social media, which is like, well, oh, and no. me too, actually. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. They, in fact, earlier, just earlier today, I got roasted. <laughs> <laughs> what was I called? Alice? Oh, yeah, you were called Alice. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. I like that. But I do like the fact that they are not only a great company run by good guys, but Sean and I agreed a long time ago that we would not accept sponsorships from Dill Holes. And these guys are absolutely <laughs> not Dill Holes. Speaking of 82. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a dickweed. <laughs> oh, seriously. Massive dickweed. Um, these guys are good, and they know what they do. And at the very least, they deserve a little extra. Exploration. You can give them a call or check out their website. Yeah, smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Cara, <laughs> I'm going to read your bio here to give people a little background on you, but will you say your name in its proper pronunciation for me once? Yes, it's Cara Kalajra. Cara Kalajra. Now, since I read it and we hadn't met before, I figured it was Cara Caligara, because I'm like, even her name is poetry, man. Minneapolis, Minnesota-based, up-and-coming spoken word artist, Cara Kalajara. She's cut her teeth on open mic nights and started not that long ago. You're relatively new to the game, but already published um, the literary scene by Storm. When you're a poet, it's interesting because you are both author and performer and that is an, an interesting intersection to me which is why i'm looking forward to talking to you your debut book is called karma vet came out just this past august so much like us trying to launch a new business venture in the midst of covid you decided to have a literary launch in the middle of a global pandemic your thoughts oh so fun you know this is really how i planned it all out last spring i like or right before spring like last winter i started getting some traction you know i played shows at Mortimer's and uh, the warming house and Moto E and I was like okay cool like I'm really doing something here and then all of a sudden it was like COVID and I was like Oof. cool Over. and then my book came out and right. it was like well I guess we'll all just to celebrate from our living rooms. <laughs> well, at least your art form is one that you can do over Zoom and can do remotely, but I know that's not entirely enjoyable. Now, for a little more background, your book came out in August and uh, it came out uh, to rave reviews. Also, recently published in issue 81 of the prestigious literary journal, the Hiram College Poetry Review, which I read here played an important role in establishing the career 
of Charles Bukowski. Yeah, so now, he got published in there twice when he was like kind of a nobody, mm. and that kind of, people read it and they were like, "Damn, this guy's pretty good." I, he seems super <laughs> fucked up, but he's pretty good. Yeah. That's what's weird is like uh, I, while I can't express myself in nearly as interesting a way as Charles Bukowski, I feel like I've emulated his life in a lot of other ways. I can. so you played all these places so let's go back just a little bit before we talk about the modern era and your burgeoning career life expression as a spoken word artist um where are you from i'm from edina minnesota don't hold it against me not everyone (laughs) there is an asshole but most people are well now not and again i think even that's unfair yes well guess what i grew up in coon rapids and so just like people immediately get an idea in their head if you're from edina they also immediately get an idea in their head if you're from coon rapids okay because coon rapids sounds like i don't know walnut grove they're thinking about changing the name, though. Did you hear that? They're finally thinking about changing the name. Yes, and that's an, another topic for yes, another show. We'll, we'll because, save that one. Because growing up, I, again, another topic for another show. So Edina, fine, but at some point you decide to make Minneapolis your home. Yeah, I've been, I went to college at Hamlin, go Pipers. I was living in St. Paul for a while. Then I, um, you know, became homeless like a lot of artists do and kind of couch surfed around and then somehow ended up in Minneapolis. And I have been in Minneapolis for the past eight years. I actually just moved over to St. Paul, though, again, and bought a bought a house like a like a grown up. And now I'm trying to do the adult thing. So oh, oh you're a homeowner poet like that's that's rare. Holy <laughs> shit. I know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. What did the mortgage guy say there? Like, uh, will you write down your work history here? It's like. Uh, well, I mean, I've been to a lot of slam poetry events recently. Um, so you have bought yourself a home. You grow up and do the thing. You bounce around. Having couch surfed myself in a couple of instances in my life, did you ever find yourself having to share that couch with a pet of the person who lived there? Oh, yeah. You know, people's pets, random family members just coming and sitting on you, falling asleep in a pile of laundry, and yep. then having an email sent out like you can't sleep in the laundry, <laughs> things like that, you know, just casual. The passive-aggressive email. Oh, Don't pa- tell it to my face. <laughs> hey, send we're, more, email. we're more than happy to let you stay here. You just can't have your greasy-ass hair in our clean laundry. <laughs> and it was so greasy. So greasy. Just, like, stuck in one position like there's a bunch of gel in it. Yeah, welcome to the club. Uh, except in my day it was moose Cara, what <laughs> when this is important to me and it, it's not crucial that there be an exact date and time but I, I and actually i don't remember when it was somewhere between finding monty python at too young an age playing dungeons dragons I, i've always been drawn to words but never had the desire to express myself in the written word or in the form of poetry but i have a great deal of respect for people who know how to write and when did you first fall in love, not even with the written word, but with words themselves? Because I feel like most poets, words are their first addiction, the hook that pulls them into it. Yeah, I think I was about four, and I start, that was when I first, you know, I learned how to write. And I started keeping a diary at age five, maybe, like in kindergarten. Wow. I, I just liked... I I didn't always... When I was younger, I was kind of shy, and then I kind of bloomed out of my shell and... 
So I had a hard time expressing myself in words and I came from kind of a bad childhood. So often I would just kind of like scream because I felt like no one could hear me. And then my parents would be like, you know, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> um, so I, I really just poured my feelings and what was happening around me into these little diaries that I kept. Unfortunately, some sad year I threw all of my oh. diaries away and I'm just like, oh. I kick myself like daily thinking about all of those like dozens and dozens and dozens of journals I had for my whole life. Just goes. like like roughly what age were you when you threw them away? Nineteen. Things so, were things were bleak. Now, I understand, but like, and I also understand that it's not only the purview of an artist, but also the purview of a young woman to be like, my past is behind me. I'm burning all this shit, and oh fuck, I mean. To think that you started so young, I mean, going back, you know, it's a little bit like looking at baby pictures, but it's also an insight into who and what and how you were that whole time. No. Oh, well, I don't mean to add, you know, more shame to that, but... No, it's good. I need the shame. It helps to write the shit. (laughs) So speaking of writing the shit, you start out writing young, right? But then at some point, you write enough that, well, I mean, obviously we'll talk about your book coming up in just a bit, but, you know... It's a big jump, at least in my opinion and my head and my heart, to go from writing things in a journal, right? I mean, like, you can do that in a cocoon. You can do that in the Mm -hmm. safety of your own head and your own sort of emotional womb. But then at some point, you're like, I'm going to put this out there, which to me is a seismic change, right? Like, people have said, hey, Oak, you're funny. Why don't you do the stand-up comedy thing? I'm like, not for money. Not even for a lot. (laughs) Fuck that. No way am I getting up there and putting that out there because the thought of talking to a cold, quiet room and you say something that you know is killer (laughs) and there's no response whatsoever, that sounds so brutal. I don't know that I would ever recover, so I've just always avoided it. But it has to be similar, like, you're not just, like, up there trying to tell jokes. You're up there sharing things that have informed and nurtured and fractured your very being, and you're putting it out there to people. How, at what point did you decide, fuck it, I'm going to try it? Yeah, it was 2019. I just got out of a horrible relationship. I had to, like, leave in the night, like, grab all the stuff that I could and my cat and, like, get the fuck out. And I ended up like sleeping on my mom's floor on like a yoga mat and like two couch pillows. And that was like my bed. And I one of my friends reached out to me in the muck of all of this and wanted to get coffee because she felt bad for me. And she also had this idea of like a project in mind. She wanted to do a zine. And I was like, you know, I've dabbled in writing for a long time. And I read her some of my journal entries and she said, damn. That's really good, and that's that looks like free verse poetry to me. And I was like, what's free verse poetry? <laughs> and so I started writing more like that. I started reading more of my old journals, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this isn't so bad. And then after, you know, a lot of this stuff is very dark because I haven't always had a very good life, and I've had a lot of trauma and a lot of really bad shits happen. And I felt like this this content, while it's great, you know, if you read it in your own head, I think the best way to consume it is to have me up on a stage reading it. And so that's what I started doing back in September of 2019. I went on to the Moto E open mic stage and there was like no other poets. Maybe there was like one other poet, but they were reading something very 
flowery and, and polite and nice. And I got up there and I just <laughs> laid out all my fucking trauma. And then it just like the room just like whoop, the air just got sucked out. And I felt so awkward that I just left the stage afterwards. And <laughs> but that means it mingle. worked, right? That means it worked. I guess so. Well, good for you. I mean, Thank you. for being new to this, you know, I, that's what I want when I go out. You know, Sean and I talk about this all the time, how much we miss live music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by having people in here, be they musicians, be they politicians, be they poets, whatever the case may be, I want to believe somebody. I want to hear something. I want to hear a song because we don't like to go too long in the show here without hearing some music that our guest has picked. But when we come back, will you read us one of your poems? Yes, I'd love to. I would love to hear that. But first, we're going to hear music by a guy named Jack Kittle who I've never heard of in my entire life. This song is awesome. I I love it. It tells a great story and he... He's got some issues that he's working out. (laughs) Well, welcome to the club. Here's Jack Kittle with Psycho on The Brian Oak Show. This is an instrumental, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Can Mary fry some fish, mama? I'm as hungry as can be. How I wish, Mama, that you could keep the baby quiet, cause my head is killing me. I saw my ex again last night, Mama, she was at the dance at Miller's store. She was with that Jackie White, Mama, I killed them both. And they're buried under Jenkins' sycamore You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mom? Mama, pour me a cup You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mom? You'd better let them lock me up Don't hand me Johnny's pup Cause I might squeeze him too tight I'm having crazy dreams again, mama So let me tell you about last night I woke up in Johnny's room, mama Standing right there by his bed hands around his throat, mama, wishing both of us were dead. You think I'm psycho, don't you, mama? I just killed Johnny's pup. You think I'm psycho, don't you, mama? You'd better let him lock me up. Tell me that she's dead, mama Cause I just saw her in the park We were sitting on a bench, mama Thinking up a game to play 
I'm psycho, don't you, Mom? I didn't mean to break your cup. You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mom? Oh, Mama, why don't you get up? Remember on a recent episode of this show, Sean, where I tried to explain oh. Paul Charchian was blown away by the fact that I referred to a genre of music as murder ballads. Yeah, with a peppy beat. That's like one of my favorite. But, but he was like, murder ballads? You say that like it's a thing. I'm like, it's absolutely a yeah. thing. And by the way, uh, Cara, uh, when you say he's working through some things... <laughs> I'm not sure that he's actually working through them. Um, no, he might just be acting on all of them. So I did a little digging, and um, Jack Kittle wasn't the first person to cover that song. It was actually written by a different guy, Leon Payne, who would go on to write songs for Hank Williams, Elvis, and Johnny Cash. Wow. But that song was inspired by the story of Charles Whitman, the crazy sniper who climbed the water tower at the University of Texas. And wow, I, that's... That's brilliant. That is going in the collection tonight. And I work at a record store as well as doing yeah. this. So I will, I, my eyes will be peeled for that. I've never heard that before. Thank you very much for bringing that here. You're so welcome. I just found it on my Spotify, you know, Discover Weekly, because I look up some weird shit clearly. Yeah, right. And that popped in there. And I was like, ooh. I like that. It's beautiful. It's like this gorgeous country classic, like an old school Nashville sound. And but you're kind of hoping at the end, you're kind of hoping that, that there'll be some well. redemption. Yeah, but there's not. The twist, it, if possible, it after he tells three stories of blind, <laughs> stupid murder, he's killed his mother. He's yeah. singing the song to his mother that he's just murdered. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 135. <laughs> Our guest is Cara Kalajra, <laughs> published poet and performer, and a welcome guest here. Um, that right there alone, wow, I'm going to be thinking about that one for more than a minute. So earlier this year, you put out your first book. Um, now here, it says poems by uh, Cara Morell? Yeah. Yeah. And now, the last name is different. Yes. Can I ask about that? Yeah, you can. So... My, the last name Morell is my dad's last name, mm -hmm. and I don't like my dad. We okay. don't have a relationship. We don't get along. I think he's a shitty person. I don't care if he's listening to this. So chances I are not. not. You're, yeah. you're safe. <laughs> chances are not. My dad uh. isn't either. I haven't talked to him in five years. Uh, he hasn't talked to anybody. Oh. So I get you. Yeah, mean parents are. It's a real bitch when your family yep. just kind of kicks you out, and you just. I mean, I've made my own family, and so that's wonderful. Yep. But I didn't want my writing and my creative things that I'm putting out there associated with someone that I don't really like. All right, very <laughs> good. And was there any particular b behind picking the new name Kalajra? Was there anything particular that inspired that name, or is it one you just liked? Yeah, it's a family name on my mom's side. Okay, so I just was like, I like them more i'll take that last name so right well but also you like words and there's a certain poetry to that name as well yeah it's a very beautiful name so. it is it's a lovely name what is the heritage of the name uh, it's sicilian okay that's my mom's family's mm. origin i've only met one person who is almost 100 percent sicilian in terms of their background and um 
man, don't fuck with the Sicilians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like for real, like, yeah. hey, any Sicilians listen to this show, I'm cool with you. If we you're cool you. with me, <laughs> we're good. And um, yeah, tribute, if nothing else. So you are a published poet. And again, things were starting to go well. You're doing live mic nights. You're starting to perform. You're getting written up in journals. And then COVID hits and shuts everything all the fucking way down. But your book is still out. It's called Karma Vet. And I know better than to ask whether it's a musician or an author or whoever the title of their stuff. I don't even want to know because I like the cover of this. I like the fact that it, an- it asks more questions questions than it answers and it makes me open the book uh are you gonna read one of your poems for us i am i'm gonna read the first book first but the first poem from the book and this is a depressing as fuck poem so here we go it's called lil me It's always me. It's always me. At the end of the day, when I lay my head down, it's me. It's me alone, laying my corpse to rest in the ground. It's me, my soul, my heart, my breath, taken by anyone who notices, who wants to fucking hold any amount of eye contact, hands. It's me. I said, talking about the sex is sexy. It's me. And I think I must scare them because I can show them sides of themselves they're afraid to see. A way of being that's not squares or circles. It's lava. It's alive and it's hot and it's fire and it's real and it will take you down. It's me. And being vulnerable is my beauty, but it's also my demise. And I don't know how many more of these days I can take until I just break. It's me. I'm close to the edge and I've been on this cliff before. I'm tiptoeing down the nearby corridors in a nighty and bunny slippers trying not to wake the beast. And I'm holding in my inhale and they always just want to fuck when cum is sliding down your thigh and you're crying in the shower holding yourself because these hands are the only ones that will ever protect you and love you and care for you and fucking show up. And I can't read the signs because I drew the fool. I painted the fool. I wrote the fool. I sang the fool. I am the fool. Wow. <laughs> I, this is what I was getting at earlier when I asked you the question. You know, writing that down is one thing, you know, and, and making it good when you write it down is a whole other thing, you know, as opposed to just letting it all pour out. But then turning it into something that can be performed so powerfully that I don't care who you are, where you are on the spectrum of sexuality, adulthood, experience, there's not anybody listening who can't relate to everything you just wrote and said. That was great. It was really, really great. But there's a a big transition between scribbling down some some angry, expressive words on the page and turning it into a powerful performance. That's a very different thing. And for you to only have been doing this for a year, that to me is pretty remarkable. Thank you. I mean, a little more than a year, but you know what I mean, relatively speaking. Uh, I have a couple quick questions, if you don't mind me interjecting. Do you feel the trauma when you're speaking it or can you disconnect as a performer i feel it and i think that's part of the reason why the performances have been so resonating with people because i really just go back into that headspace and that's why sometimes after a live show i would just have to like leave because it was like i felt like i was doing you know therapy in front of other people and it made me so uncomfortable that i would just have to like I go outside and a couple of times after a show, I just went outside and I screamed a little. <laughs> well, and my follow-up question real yeah. quick, if you don't mind is, so I've met uh, musicians who do the same thing when they're talking about a song that's very real, very powerful, very personal. You know, I'm, I'm like, 
are you able to disconnect or are you bringing it back to the forefront every time? And there's no question that it adds to the resonance and the power of the performance, but also it takes a toll. You can't keep living that day, that experience, those years, every single time without doing some damage. I mean, do you worry about the, the, the cost benefit ratio? Yeah, I'm in therapy. And so therapy has like really helped me and, Honestly, I use it as a therapeutic tool because it's like every time I do it, I get something out of it. I'm like, okay, there's like a little bit more releasing of that experience now that I just put out into the universe that I'm not holding on in my shoulders and my heart anymore. Did you, this is, I'm going to share something that I haven't shared before, but I, so I, I had a very traumatic childhood as well and PTSD and I'm 49 years old and the fucking PTSD is still there and it comes out in my dreams. I'm, I am a great visualizer. I imagine you are a great visualizer, which is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. And I started EMDR. You're familiar with EMDR? Okay. I started that finally yesterday. Wow. And I both hated it and also really thought I need to fucking do this so I can clear this out of my head. But part of that is the visual, visual, visualization and eye movements, yep. and putting yourself back in that place. And I just wondered with you, I mean, is is that part of your process? And I understand why. I mean, I was so I was so exhausted that I fell asleep yeah. 20 minutes after therapy, and I felt so overstimulated. So I understand the, the idea of going out and screaming afterwards uh, after you do a poetry slam. Yeah. Um, I, I've done EMDR therapy yeah. too, but just that visualization aspect, I definitely like, oh. I can take myself back and I have, uh, they call it CPTSD because I've had so much trauma that it's mm-hmm. like compounded and complex yep. now. Yep. Um, so yeah, I like certainly can like, br- I have the feelings, I, what it smelled like mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a details person. Yeah, that's that's why I, I like writing, because I can really get into that inertia of like, you know, all the tiny aspects of a scene, of a moment, and I want to capture every part of that. And I think, you know, there are some, uh, uh, not in this book, but I have a lot of poems that deal with like moments that I was being raped. And, oh. you know, I can really just go back to like every single little detail mm. in there. And for me, it's a little bit healing just to be like, Okay, that happened. I can remember all the details, but like, guess what? I'm not there anymore. Like, I'm yeah. I'm here now yes. in this like cool room, you know, yeah. with two nerds. With two nerds. Mm, two middle aged <laughs> nerds. Doesn't get much cooler than that. Uh, you know, I just I, I I appreciate bravery and honesty when I watch it happen, and to be able to bring so much real damage and darkness to the forefront, it's going to create powerful work, but not for everybody. Not everybody has the ability to articulate that, right? Many people have experienced this sort of terribleness, right? But to be able to articulate it, I think, you know, not only heals you and gives you a chance to unburden yourself of some of it, but it also provides a safe haven for people who've gone through a similar thing that maybe wouldn't have understood, or maybe even more importantly, people who haven't gone through such similar experiences to understand and have at least a window into just what it can be like. Yeah, totally. I I feel like the more I performed these poems, the more I shared these stories, these moments, the more I had people coming up to me, you know, some people just being like, 
thank you for saying that. These are ideas and words and feelings that I've had, and I didn't know how to express them. Or just people being like, wow, you've had a shitty life, but, like, look at you now. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's true. I, I sometimes forget, like, oh, yeah, like, Things have been a lot worse, and like I'm doing pretty okay, all things considered. I mean, I have a, a a day job that I really like, and that enables me to like, you know, pursue my art as a not just a side hobby, but like, you know, I have money to pay all my bills and which buy is, a house and shit. Yeah, fantastic, <laughs> and not everyone can say you're also working on a new album, which we're going to talk about yes. in just a second because I love the guy you're working with. Yeah. He's really cool, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm actually very excited to dig deeper into your book and also to get past COVID because I would, I although here's the thing, I don't know that you've ever listened to the podcast or know anything about me. I'm a crier, and if things get oh. too real, yeah. and if things get, they, you know, when they feel profound and real, I love honesty, but it also makes me real weepy. I I've always been a crier, and I've never tried to stop myself from it, even though my level of damage is relatively low compared to a lot of people. I like to cry, so I don't know that I could sit all the way through one of your performances um, without like some sort of like a thunder blanket or something. Um, just, That'd be great, just uh, crying in the back with a thunder blanket, and maybe maybe like a, 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 a an emotional support chinchilla yes. or something <laughs> to get through your show. I want to talk about what you've been doing for online shows. How you've been communicating yeah. with your fans. I also want to talk about the new record. But first, we need another song. And you have picked one of, you know, I was going to say one of the greatest soul singers of all time, but I feel like that's even damning him with faint praise. Literally one of the greatest musical performers of the 20th century. Now, certainly not a man without sin and certainly not a man without faults, but also one of the most complete vocal artists that I've ever heard my entire life. Oh, Sam Cooke. Mm.
There's just literally no one else like him. You know, I once asked a guy that I respected very deeply, who's better, Sam Cooke or Marvin Gaye? <laughs> and he responded subtly in a deep, deep baritone voice, fuck you, Brian, because <laughs> there's not a right answer there. It's the Brian Oak Show podcast, episode 135. Sean Bernard, friend, ally, producer, and realtor to the stars and the every person. I think it's more the every person than the stars. Oh, don't be shy. What stars? I don't know. You know what? Every person is a star in their oh, own way, Brian. Here we go. This Thanks. is why I'm, this is why <laughs> I'm not. Thank you, Alistair Crowley. Carly, okay, this yeah, is no. why I'm not a poet. Yeah, no, I know. H.G. <laughs> Wells, we're all made <laughs> exactly. of star stuff. I get it. Okay, but very I do, good. But I do end up kind of falling in love with my clients, and I mean that in only Ooh. a professional, friendly manner. That I, is I, that on your business card? It is. I can't I'm wait gonna, to fall in I'm love with you. I'm gonna fall in love with you. <laughs> I'm gonna fall in love with you, Ooh. but in a totally PC friendship type of way. No, I end up loving these. I mean it. I love these families. Like you meet, you meet these families, and you get to learn all about their kids and what they're doing. And uh, actually, right after uh, I helped a, a couple buy and sell, um, I get this call, and she's like, "Hey, will you help my daughter out with her school project?" And we're gonna both get on the call with you and i'm like hell yeah let's do it so we walked through and and went through the whole thing now what does it have to do with being a realtor well there are realtors out there who don't give a shit about you they care just about the money and yes it's a way for me to be able to make a living so i can do things like be silly on a podcast a couple times a week so i can go see music again someday and and take care of my family but I love helping people. I love helping people with this big decision, and hopefully I bring some empathy and some compassion uh, into each situation. It's going to be stressful when you buy or sell a house. Hopefully I can make you laugh a little, not tell you I love you until at least the third or fourth (laughs) showing. Seriously. Uh, uh, Creeping me out, bro. So just uh, sometimes I got to think before I speak. Sometimes. It's a new new idea. I did improv for too long. Mm. 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. Back up your podcast if you miss that number. Yeah, seriously. Go ahead and listen to it, and uh, he will not. And I'm putting my reputation on the line here. Slide into your DMs. Am I right? (laughs) No way would I do that. Mm. I don't even visit the DMs. (laughs) (laughs) You make it sound like a place. (laughs) I know, exactly. Like someplace in Vietnam or something. (laughs) It's a state of the DMZ is what you're thinking of. Just south of DMZ and Detrang. Exactly. It's the Brian Oak Show. And our guest is Karat Kalajra, and she is a poet and a very good one. And so I want to talk about the new record and stuff. And I had a song to play at the end. Instead of that, do you feel emotionally girded enough to read us one more poem before you go absolutely you don't have to do it right now okay. we'll do it at the very very end yeah. i just i had picked out a song that's a fun cool song featuring the rapper eve and actually before we talk about your new project i wanted to ask you about how you feel about hip-hop because i feel that the world of live poetry has a lot of resemblance and i'm not yeah. talking about bling i'm not talking uh you know about the lifestyle i'm not talking about cars or pimping although you probably could pull off pimping if you wanted to that's a killer <laughs> scarf you're wearing right Thank there you. um but I'm, I'm what i'm actually really talking about is 
there's some hip hop that is stupid and basic, right? Yeah. And then there is some that is so wildly inventive and intelligent and well scripted, and not just the quality of the content of the words, but the meter and the flow that you sit there with your jaw hanging open that it's actually happening in front of your face or that it's coming into your ears that way. It's not entirely dissimilar from what you do. No. There are certain artists and rappers who are mind bendingly talented. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy some hip-hop just because, like you said, the beat and the delivery of the words and the intention behind it. And I, you know, those pauses and those subtleties of, you know, conveying their feelings and some of it is shit. But I, I mean, I like, I like some of the shit, too, just because it's Same. fun. Like when you're washing your dishes and yeah. some ludicrous <laughs> or T-Pain is bumping, you know? Yep, yep, yep. No, and I, again, <laughs> I, I love I love silly, sugary pop music, too. Like oh, not yeah. everything has to be important and wonderful. I just, you know, some of it is so contrite, uh, not contrite, trite, it, that it, you know, it's like, okay, that's not even, it's not good or interesting. But so, no, I don't mind the shallow stuff as long as it's good yeah. and well produced but then every once in a while like somebody like black thought from the roots like just so consistently good i've never heard a song where i'm like oh he phoned that one in like mm-hmm. not once and he's so wildly talented and it's not dissimilar from what you do i mean meter has to be important right not just the words you've written where that's the where the emotional heft is but then that crossover from writing to delivery presentation's important absolutely it's important yeah and i really and I also just appreciate someone who's telling a story and a story that I'm like connecting with or even I'm not connecting with. It's just like an interesting story to hear and to listen to and to experience. So Your beeper's going off. You know yeah. what's funny is uh, for <laughs> more than 20 years of doing radio, I had to tell people to make sure their phones and their uh, oh, alarms yeah. were off before we sat down and started recording. And there we are, getting a phone call from somebody I don't know. Cara, your book is called Karma Vet. Where would somebody find this book if they wanted to get their hands on it right now? They can find it on the internet. You can even just Google Cara Collagera. My website will pop right up, and you can buy my book in the shop tab. Yeah. Go get it. Speaking of hip hop, I opened up to a random page, page 10 of your book, Karma Vet. I have 99 problems, and they're all my fault. Yep. Son of a bitch, Cara. That's really good. That is very, you know, oh, mm, I love that very much. So you are now a published author, yes. and soon you are going to have your own full-length album, working with none other than Darren, who I respect yes. and adore greatly, a.k.a. Kid Dakota. How did you meet and decide that this was the way it was going to go? Yeah, what the fuck? Um Darren was apparently a fan of mine and kind of following me on the internet. To be honest, I didn't know who he was. And then he just like wrote to me and I was like, oh, great. You know, another random guy like in the DMs. (laughs) And I, you know, like Sean. (laughs) Wow. You just wait till after the show today. (laughs) I can't wait. No, you can. You can and you will wait. Anyway, so he reached out and you're like, I don't know. He reached out to me. uh, He sent me. He was like, you know, I do. This is what I do. I really like your poetry. I really like your words. This is the style of stuff that I'm doing. I think we should collaborate. And I was like, is this like an MLM scam? Like, is he trying to sell me like essential oils or something? <laughs> Tell or, me what MLM is. Oh, a multi-level marketing pyramid yeah. scam. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. I do know what they are. So All I right. was wor- you know, I was worried about that. And then, you know, we, we just got to chatting and our styles are similar. And he's a really awesome, creative, talented, super talented person. And yeah. So How is this w- scarf game compared to yours? 
very poor. Okay. Yeah, no, well, no, no scarf game. His scarf game is not strong, but <laughs> given given Kid Dakota's legacy and his body of work, um, I'm excited about this. So now let me ask you this: yeah. I mean, he's not just bringing you into the studio and pressing record. He's going to put music and beats and atmospheres underneath the words that you create. That's what he's doing. We're doing it together. I'm it's going to be very. Very awesome, I have, think. Have you heard any early results? Have you had a chance to do some of it? Yeah, I have. I'm going back into the studio with him on Saturday, and we're going to hopefully bang out some more tracks. And I I don't know how long it's going to take because I just moved, and there's like been a lot of moving pieces. But right. yeah, we're working on it, and it's it's going to be really cool. Someday That's, will you come back with him, and do you think you could do one live on the show with us? Yeah, we would love that, I'm That'd sure. So I'm signing cool. him up for it, but I'm sure he'll go along with it. <laughs> He's a good dude. I, I'm sure he will. Um, so, I mean, you don't know when. Do you have a, a vague idea of when the public might get a taste of what this is? I think we could probably get out a couple songs just on like a little, I don't even know what it's called, an EP maybe. Right? Um, yeah. Perhaps later this spring. Fantastic. Well, yeah. And we're not holding you to anything, but I want to echo what Sean said. When it's ready to go and when you're ready to promote it, I would love, even if Darren's like, Ryan Oak, fuck that guy. Uh, I would love to have you come back and talk about it if that's possible. I would love to, yes. Okay, very good. Well, Karma Vet is the name of the book by Kara Kalajara. Am I getting close? You are 100% nailing it. Yeah, and I don't know what you're going to read to finish this off. I had picked out a fun kind of party bumper song, but I, I liked your reading so much. And as I'm flipping through this thing and just reading, you know, this is, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, this is a book I would keep in the bathroom because it's in digestible <laughs> chunks. And also, I have some of my most philosophical moments when I'm in the bathroom. I do um, too, actually. Yeah, well, there you go. See, so let's not laugh too hard, Kara. Okay, let's not laugh too hard. But like reading this one teeth, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a dramatic reading, and I'm like, I'm shit compared to Kara. So uh, as we wrap up this episode of the show, I want to thank AudioQuip. I want to thank Smart Start MN. I want to thank you, Sean Bernard, for being you and all you do. I'm in love with you. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> Although I'm in love with you too. Not so secretly. Oh, um, and I'm in love with everybody who's ever been a guest. I'm also in love with our Patreon members. Keep an eye out. Coming soon, five drawn at random. We'll be getting a copy <gasps> of the Never Give Up on Your Stupid, Stupid we Dreams. We do that. We said we do it Friday and we just like typical Irishman. No, you're like, I'll do it. I blew it. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll draw love, those. Love very- is a verb, Brian. Love is a verb. <laughs> An advert? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Dangling participle is what your love is. How dare you? Uh, I'm Irish. It's time for it. us to go, and we have to get out of here before <laughs> Cara runs from the room, because I want her to read one more poem for us. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for supporting the Brian Oak Show podcast. Cara, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. This is so much fun. Well, it, it's weird. We have this little tree fort, our own dedicated <laughs> studios, the Smart Start MN studio, and we always have a good time when we come in. It's fun to tell stories, and it's fun to listen to music, right? Yeah. And now, why don't you go ahead and open up a vein <laughs> and share <laughs> a little of your drama and trauma with everybody as we round things out again from the book Karma Vet. This is Kara Kalajra. I'm going to read a happier poem. It's called Drunk on the Rug. Are you going to find love pantless and alone on shag carpet? The image is in your mind, too. Who creates you? Who is you? Who am I? Buddha? Satan? God? Jesus? Margaret? Shanti? A woman who loves coupons? A well-trained dolphin? I am lonely, but at least the dolphin has the sea.
Just I rock the house and sign the tits and that's it. Don't take no astrophysicist to make your ass go fits. Now sisters kick it. Yeah. I keep it cool like Eskimo chicks on Discovery Channel. I'm hot like Telemundo chicas on a solar panel. See me on daytime TV chilling in my Bob Marley tea. I slap you silly, I'm from Philly. I'm not sorry, that's me. I am the robot Elvis rocking my bionic pelvis. I'm technotronic sipping vodka tonic. Them drum machines ain't got no gold. I'm not a rocket scientist. I rock a house and sign the tits and that's it. Don't take no astrophysicist to make your ass go fix. Now sisters kick it. Ain't got no soul.